we are here in Fairhope with lots of humidity. Um, Hurricane Cristobal is stirring up um, some concern out of the deep part of the Gulf, um, and uh, we are experiencing lots of nice humidity. You can see it. It has color. Uh, you can touch it. You can take it out and play with it. It's uh, thick humidity uh, here. So um, glad to be uh, with you and uh, glad you've tuned in uh, through our medium uh, that is available to us. Guys, I don't know when uh, that I have um, uh, enjoyed uh, the preparation for a session as much as I've enjoyed um, preparing for our session today. And um, ironically, um, what we're going to do is take one uh, session today to go through the book of Leviticus. And um, it's been a while since I had uh, studied Leviticus. Uh, and so we're going to do a 30,000-foot view of Leviticus. And, uh, man, I have really been encouraged, and I hope somehow I can uh, take that which God did in my heart uh, this weekend as I prepared and somehow translate it in a way that it will be an encouragement to you. The song that I've chosen um, in light of that is Matt Redman's song, 10,000 Reasons. And the song is powerful, and I hope you've heard it, and, and the words are on the back of your notes there, so you can follow uh, if you've printed your notes out. But just as powerful as the song is the setting from the video that I'm going to show you. Um, I showed this back in August in our last series, so you may remember it from then, but um, Matt Redman um, performs his song um, in Times Square before thousands of people in Times Square in August of 2016, uh, almost four years ago. And uh, man, uh, what a contrast to what we're seeing in the streets of our cities on the evening news uh, the last week or so. And uh, wouldn't it be great if that which we see on this video, having been performed in August of 2016, would be what we're watching on uh, TV in all of our cities. So I trust that as you watch this, you'll be drawn to the Lord and that you will pray for our nation and pray for our cities. Just the first verse of the song, bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The theme of Leviticus is to live a holy life. May you hear the voice of God through Matt Redman. You got to sing Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. His holy name Beautiful Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name Jesus your Lord When the sun comes up It's a new Sing your song again. What? Well, 
my heart is moved uh, by that song. Uh, to watch that uh, video in light of all that's going on and not be moved by that and not understand that is a great tragedy. And I'm so grateful that the Lord's done a, enough work in my heart that um, I get it uh, enough uh, to be moved. And, I, and I, there's so much I don't get, but I'm so grateful uh, for that. May, may you play that song to your family and, and, and friends uh, over the coming days. Uh, we need to hear that. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, we uh, continue our journey uh, into the wilderness. In the wilderness, uh, we are there. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. Into the wilderness, understanding and embracing the dark times of your life. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see, or we could easily say ears to hear, in order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must present us with a moment of crisis, and since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When we're in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together as we have been uh, since January. And uh, as I've said to you before, we're going to continue uh, this series um, until we're all together in the training room uh, at Ceasefire. And my prayer is that will be very soon. This morning, um, we look at act like a man, live a holy life. And um, we're going to do a 30,000-foot uh, view uh, study of the book of Leviticus. And uh, I assure you that we're not going to read through the whole book of Leviticus. There's not time. But there's enough notes on this that I will not have time to go through that my prayer is, is that you will use this handout uh, as a resource. And in the next day, next week, that you'll just take time to thumb through Leviticus um, and get a feel for what the standard is for living. Let me give you just a little bit of the, uh, of the context um, as we dig in. Again, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He gave them a resurrection experience by bringing them through the Red Sea. And as we've said through this whole series, the Red Sea uh, to the Old Testament believers was uh, the Resurrection Sunday. They looked at the Red Sea experience the way that we celebrate and look at the uh, resurrection and Easter Sunday. So they kept referring back to the Red Sea, and then God takes them through a, a first 90 days. It's kind of like a treatment plan. You know, uh, you're an alcoholic, a drug addict, whatever. you got to do 90 days and 90 meetings. And so he takes them through 90 days of experiential care. 
No water, I'll provide water. No food, I'll provide food. Um, you need instruction, God gives, you the, uh, gives them the Ten Commandments. And he, he takes them through these experiences in order to demonstrate powerfully that he's involved. And then we kind of come to a pause here, and we come, after he's given the Ten Commandments, to the book of Leviticus. And the book of Leviticus has one primary intent, and I want you to turn over in your Bible to Leviticus. Uh, and I dare say that's probably a very clean part of your Bible. I doubt that you've thumbed through that lately. Uh, Leviticus chapter 19, and this, this is the intent of the whole book. Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. God spoke to Moses, speak to the congregation of Israel and tell them, be holy because I, God, your God, am holy. And then, and then jumping over to chapter 20, uh, verses 24 through 26, I've told you, remember that you will possess their land that I'm giving to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am God, your God, who has distinguished you from the nations. So live like it. Live like it. Live like it. Distinguish between ritually clean and unclean animals and birds. Don't pollute yourselves with any animal or bird or crawling thing which I have marked out as unclean for you. And then here it is. Live holy lives because me, but, but before me, because I, God, am holy. I have distinguished you. I have distinguished you from the nations to be my very own. Be holy. So, gentlemen, I have three questions for you as, as we prepare to dig in. So I want you to, um, uh, to pick up your pen, and I want you to engage and deliberately uh, consider three questions in order to open your heart to what God has for us. First question that I'd ask you, what body of information did you seek to master to reach a desired goal? When can you remember um, in your life that somehow you were confronted with, invited to master a body of information that would help you reach a desired goal? The first time that I can remember that kind of dynamic in my own life um, that was my own choice, and, and mama wasn't making me, daddy wasn't making me. You know, it's like the little kid who was asked at Sunday school. I, I, I had a guy tell me this yesterday. They, they ask all the six-year-olds, so why are you at vacation Bible school? And all the kids, uh, he said, he said, they all said, because we love Jesus. And so they get to him, and uh, he looks up and he says, because mama made me. <laughs> and that, he was probably the only honest one in the whole group, uh, because that had all been taught to say, Jesus is always the answer in vacation Bible school or in church. And uh, that was so much certainly my experience. But the first time that I can remember being invited um, to a body of information that I wanted to master was when I joined the Boy Scouts. And in the little uh, town that I grew up in, in um, Elizabethan, Tennessee, we didn't get a Boy Scout troop till I was like uh, 13, almost 14 years old. And, you know, if you start when you're 12, you got a good shot of, of going through the different ranks. Well, uh, 
I remember getting that Boy Scout manual. And if I was in Jackson, I'd have it with me because I, I, I still have my Boy Scout manual. It's in my office in Jackson. And, man, I read through that. I was reading it. I wanted to be a Boy Scout. I want to be the best Boy Scout. And I started uh, uh, clipping through the ranks. Tenderfoot, second class, first class, star, wife, and approaching my eagle. And then by the time I got to eagle, it was like I was about 15, girls, cars, sports, uh, no push from anybody. Nobody really cared if I made eagle uh, or not, and I just petered out. You know, that's another whole story. Um, but it's like I wanted to be the best Boy Scout, and that manual was going to get me there. Second question. Have you ever felt the shame of not being able to live up to that information? that you fail to live up to the standard. In, in my case, that somehow you failed <laughs> to be a Boy Scout. And, and, and I'll tell you right now that uh, I, I feel shame that I never got my eagle. I could have, I could have easily gotten it. I mean, it, I was there. I could, I could touch it from where I was, you know? And it's just like, why did you stop? Why did you give up? Why didn't you finish it? And, and, and to do something that you want to do, that you love, that you're committed to, and then you don't follow through is an experience of shame. And we live with way too much shame, partly because it's brought onto ourselves, and partly because the enemy will just uh, breathe on us and flood us with that shame. Who do you know that's in the wilderness now? And again, as we've continued to, to uh, acknowledge, we're all there. We're all in the wilderness. And gentlemen, I, I hope in, in our time this morning that you will be encouraged and inspired in a fresh new way of what God's trying to do by bringing us into this wilderness. There's so many chaotic pieces to this wilderness but I'm telling you, a, a, a primary piece is that God is inviting us into holy living and to live a holy life. He's inviting us to get back to a high standard of living. And that high standard is holiness. What is that? I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 um, is a powerful episode in God communicating his desire for holiness. Isaiah 6, verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the master sitting on a throne, high exalted. God gives Isaiah this vision. And the train of his robes filled the temple. Angel seraphims hovered above him, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two their feet, and with two they flew, and they called back and forth one to the other. Verse 3, holy, holy, holy is God of the angel armies. His bright glory fills the whole earth. Not one holy, not two holy, 
but three holy. That is a point of emphasis. Three holies. Holy, holy, holy. Where I grew up, we would say holy mackerel. You know? It's, it's, it's an intensity of who God is. And then watch the response here. The foundations trembled at the sound of the angel voices. And then the whole house filled with smoke. And I said, doom. It's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Every word I've ever spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. And the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate. And here I am. Here I've looked God in the face, the king of the angel armies. I'm going to die is kind of the idea. I, everything I've ever done is so below standard when he comes in contact with the holiness of God. And then one of the angel seraphims flew to me. He held a live coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with the coal and said, look, this coal has touched your lips, gone your guilt, your sins wiped away. And then I heard the voice of the master, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I spoke up, I'll go, send me. Wow. What a picture of transformation. I am utterly undone by the holiness of God. And then he touches me and he transforms my life. And when my life is transformed, I'm ready to go. I will, not I can't. I will. It's a powerful picture of God working. I want you to consider just this kind of overview. God gives us a standard and then he invites us to execute that standard. The standard is holiness. And so with the children of Israel, he gives them this idea in this first slide here. And Jeff, you can hit that. It is a pause for purity. That it's like we're in the wilderness, but we're going to take some time to really learn the Boy Scout manual, if you will. That we're going um, to see what the standard really means. And so the standard is purity. And Leviticus is a book of training in how to be holy, a pause for purity. It's, it's, it's like a really good timeout in a sporting event. Chaos is going, um, and it's like, let's take a timeout. And Leviticus is an extended coach's instruction, a coach's detailed, meticulous preparation for living holy. I love it in a sporting event when the microphone and the camera can zoom in and you see a very skilled coach executing a timeout. Well, Leviticus is that timeout. And all through Leviticus, through the numerous pictures, what God is communicating in this standard is I'm with you. I am with you. I am with you. All the detail, the holy ground is present. The holy God is present. He's virtually in every detail of our lives. 
And when you begin looking at the meticulous book of Le uh, Leviticus, and again, what um, uh, Bible reader, uh, having uh, committed to read through the Bible in a year, a year, starts out with great enthusiasm and skids to a screeching, mud-filled halt in the book of Leviticus. And as we get lost in all the detail, I think it's so much better to at least begin with a 30,000-foot view of what's the goal, and the goal is holiness, and numerous passages teach us that, but what God is interested in, in all of that detail, is simply transformation. Now, I want to give you the New Testament summary of the book of Leviticus in a certain sense. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, um, is the book of Leviticus, in a certain sense, in the New Testament. So listen to this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take every day, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Place it before God as an offering. I mean, that is, that is a quick summary of so much of what's written in the book of Leviticus. An offering. If you sat down and read through Leviticus, offering after offering after offering, this passage, that phrase would mean even more to you, because there's numerous offerings. In Leviticus, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Receive what he's doing. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Man, I'm telling you, that passage scares me to death because I see, from my perspective, so much going on around us that we are being culturalized. We're not being transformed. We're being, we're like frogs in a pot. We're being cooked, and we don't even know it. Do, don't be conformed to your culture. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Live a holy life. Live a holy life. The book of Leviticus. Wow. We could spend days on this. But the book of Leviticus is a book for God's people showing how God is to be approached and worshipped. There is a standard now, what I have in your notes um, is this, just an overview and a quick summary. God invites us to get right. He, he's, he's telling the children of Israel there's a right way and a wrong way to do life. And this get right, the sacrifices spoke of the blood that saved, and it is a picture of the, of the Lord's Supper that reminds us of Christ's death on the cross, 
in the way that we're redeemed. And there's five offerings in this get right. There's the burnt offering. And that is, is to summarize the idea of surrender to Christ. Every burnt offering was intended to communicate surrender, and that's Leviticus 1. The grain offering was to communicate service uh, in Leviticus 2. Fellowship offering was to communicate serenity of Christ in life, Leviticus 3. The sin offering was the idea of substitute of Christ for sin, Leviticus 4, in, in the 5. And then the guilt offering that Christ satisfied. Burn offering, grain offering, fellowship offering, sin offering, guilt offering. All a picture. And then the high priest. The Levites, obviously, were the priesthood. And the high priest offered the prayers and praises and sacrifices of the people to God in their behalf. And all of a sudden, in Hebrews, we see that Jesus is the high priest. Even in Leviticus chapter 11, there is food to eat and not eat. Read that. Go on that diet. Lose the 20 pounds that you need to lose. Leviticus chapter 11 food to eat and food not to eat. And then the most special day of the year for the Hebrews, the Day of Atonement. It was followed by the, uh, followed the Feast of Trumpets by 10 days. And this was the most solemn day of the year of God's chosen people. And on this day, the sins of the nation were confessed and it led to forgiveness. And 1 John 1, 9 is a picture of that. And then there were the feasts, numerous feasts. And the feasts spoke to the food, and that was a picture of the bread of the communion. So so many of the offerings was the blood of the communion. The feasts were uh, symbolic, a picture in great detail of the bread of communion, of the broken body, the food. Feasts of the Sabbath the Feast of the Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Tabernacles, and then even the sabbatical year and the year of Jubilee. God spent great detail giving the children of Israel in the book of Leviticus a plan of holiness. Live a pure life. Uh, take time to learn what that looks like. Be trained. Understand. Uh, hear the voice of God, I'm with you, and be transformed, different person. I want to show you um, a clip um, out of, uh, again, Band of Brothers, uh, Easy Company, and, and this is um, a continuation of uh, an interview uh, with the real guys. This is not out of the Band of Brothers movie, but just a uh, interview with um, – uh, Major Dick Winters um, and his uh, other officers. Um, these guys lived an incredibly holy life in the sense of what they were called to. Many of them gave up um, their lives. Um, and there is a picture of uh, purity, of commitment um, that, that I find um, to be holy ground um, in the way that they were called. Watch this. It was a situation there where everybody was happy to see the war coming to an end, and the Germans didn't really have that much of a heart for it, and they realized 
that the end was there. We used to say only good crowd is a dead one. Well, but there was something in there that, you know, hey, there was a kid. Most of them were kids. We all were kids. They had a job to do the same way as me. So we went about and did the job that we had to do. I think we thought that the Germans were probably the evilest people in the world. But as the war went along, we found out also that it wasn't the Germans per se. A lot of those, a lot of those soldiers, I've thought about this often, that man and I might have been good friends. We might, we might have had a lot in common. We might have liked to fish, you know, he might have liked to hunt. Uh, you never know, you know. Of course, they were doing what they were supposed to do, and I was trying to do what I was supposed to do. Uh, but uh, under different circumstances, we might have been good friends. A very unusual feeling. It's a very unusual happening, and it's a very unusual bonding. We knew that we could depend on each other. And so we were a, a close-knit group. Just brave, so brave is unbelievable. And uh, I don't know anybody that I admire more than, than uh, Bill Garnier and, and Joe Toy. And uh, they were very, very special. I'm just one part of the big war, that's all. One little part. And I'm proud to be a part of it. Sometimes it makes me cry. The real men, the real heroes, are the fellows that are still buried over there and those that come home to be buried. See, Mike, you figured, you thought that you could do just about anything. And after the war was over and you came back out, why, well, you lost a lot of that. Or at least I did. I lost all that confidence. Well, you're hoping to stay alive, that's all. Mm -hmm. Henry V was talking to his men. He said, from this day to the ending of the world, we in it shall be remembered. We lucky few, we band of brothers. For he who today sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Do you remember the letter that Mike Ranney wrote me? You do. Do you remember how he ended it? I cherish the memories of a question my grandson asked me the other day when he said, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? Grandpa said no. But I served in a company of heroes. I never get tired um, of hearing the uh, stories of, um, of these guys who really fought um, in real combat. Um, to me, that is such a picture uh, in more of a tangible way of the spiritual battle uh, that we face every day and the guerrilla warfare that's going on uh, in our own hearts with the enemy. And um, just to see these guys who really fought. And as uh, Major Dick Winter says to his grandson, you know, were daddy, uh, uh, granddaddy, were you a hero? And, and, and I love that when he says, you know, no, but I served with a lot of heroes.
And guys, I, I feel that uh, in our men's community, uh, in our church, uh, men uh, that really love the Lord, um, and I get to call my friends, and my good friends Dan and Paul are here with me on the, on the patio, and these guys are warriors. Um, and um, where would I be without men like this uh, around me? And we all need uh, that kind of encouragement to continue on. And when God was bringing the children of Israel through the wilderness, it wasn't just about suffering and going through hard times. Their suffering was connected to a bigger purpose. And that's what God wanted them to understand is that the bigger purpose was a standard of holiness um, and, that, and that he was training them for a reason, um, and the reason was something that they couldn't even achieve. Now, I would say this, that I have a yardstick here, and the standard is 36 inches, if we use that as the standard, and God was trying to help them through the whole book of Leviticus with numerous uh, offerings, uh, numerous feasts, all kinds of detail, great detail. What a manual of what it meant to live by the standard. And he called them, if you will, to, to understand my metaphor, to be 36 inches. And you know what? He set them up for failure. He set them up for failure. Because he said the standard is 36 inches. I want you to be committed to 36 inches. I want you to strive for 36 inches. But in the execution, you'll never do it. Three inches maybe. <laughs> you know, really, really good guys, guys that I admire, 10 inches, 10 inches. But man, 36 inches, impossible. But here's what he's trying to teach us um, in the execution. First of all, you have got to have imagination. And imagination is the opposite of being wooden and rigid. It's like you cannot take the book of Leviticus and say, okay, I'm going to be 36 inches. But it's no, God is, is wanting us to close our eyes and see with the eyes of your heart. Again, follow with me on your notes if you've got this. When it comes to the Christian faith, a religious system centered on surrendering your life to a God whom you cannot see, touch, or hear, imagination becomes a vital element. Imagination is not the ability to conjure up what is unreal, but the capacity to see what is real but unseen. We are to see with the eyes of our heart. When I see with the eyes of my heart and I see men who are seeking to master the manual of God, to become the best men that they can, I see the holiness of God. The eyes of my heart show me men and, and women who love God, but they are imperfect, but I can see a picture of holiness. Imagination. And then we are to live pure lives. We're, we're to do nothing that would defile us as best we can. I fall short of that every day. But in no way 
because I fall short? Is the standard compromised? You know what matters? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of talk about what matters. You know what matters? Holiness. Holiness is, is what matters. And man, I don't talk enough about it. I, I don't think enough about it. But when I'm confronted wonderfully in the book of Leviticus, it's like, wow, there's a standard here of 36 inches. And I'm so glad there is. I can remember when I got my first Boy Scout uniform, and I learned how to roll that uh, neckerchief and slide the slide up. And, and then I started, I got a sash, and I had my merit badges on that sash. Dude, I was the dude. I was the dude. And then I think in February or something, there was a day when you wore your Boy Scout uniform to school. Man, that was great. I was proud. I want to wear God's holiness as something that I'm proud of, that I can never attain, but I'm not going to compromise. Because I believe, I believe that that is my calling. Um, not everybody's called to be a pastor. Uh, not everybody's called to be a priest. Not everybody's called to be a doctor. Not everybody's called to be a counselor. We were just talking um, here on the patio. One of the things that's amazing to me is just how God's common grace keeps everything balanced. You know, not everybody wants to be a NASCAR race driver. Everybody would be turning to the left, you know. We don't want that. But it's like somehow God keeps everything balanced. But one of the, and, and, and part of that is because we're not called all to the same thing. But the point of our calling to holiness is that every thought, every desire, every word, every choice, and every action must be done in a spirit of humble surrender to the commands of God. God calls us to be holy and then sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of us that we would have the wisdom and strength that we need to surrender to his holy call in all that we do. Call to be holy. But you know, this is the most exciting part, is that God was using the book of Leviticus to show the standard and to just use it as a preview of coming attractions. Leviticus was just the trailer. It was just the preview. There was something greater. The movie, if you will, was yet to come. To be holy, impossible. And because of his grace, we're accepted and not rejected by him through Jesus. Because of his grace, we welcome awareness of the gravity of the sin that infects all of us. I want to understand just how sinful I am, not just to self-loathe, but to celebrate, to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. The higher the standard, the greater the gratitude. 
the higher the standard, it's 36. We're, we're not going to compromise that, God says. It's 36 inches, always has been. I don't grade on the curve, but praise God that in the execution of that holiness is the finished work of Jesus. Jesus is not an option because the standard is not an option. It's not arbitrary. It's very clear. Established through the book of Leviticus and fulfilled and executed through the birth, through the, uh, birth death, and resurrection of Jesus. May you live a holy life. May you truly act like a man. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you uh, so much uh, for your word, uh, for your magnificent imagination that teases it out in so much detail. Help us to see and hear with the eyes of our heart. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good and safe week. See you next week.